Jock Wilson. And I'm Dave Rowe. Welcome to the Calgary Stampeder podcast, our latest edition titled, Those Were the Days or Not. Things are pretty good in Stampeder land these days, winning the Western final, getting to the Grey Cup, maybe not winning as many Grey Cups as this team should have. Mm -hmm. But really, when you look at the overall scheme of things, it's not nearly as bad as it could be or as bad as it has been recently. I mean, I can remember when uh, things were pretty shaky in the early 2000s, and those teams, Mm -hmm. the 03 and 04 teams specifically, are going to be the focus of the podcast here today. Jocko, you've been around a little longer than I have. You remember some bad stuff in the mid-'80s that led to some questions as to whether or not the team was even going to survive. You know, Dave, I moved to Calgary in 1981 to go to broadcasting school at Mount Royal, and and then I got into the business basically in 82 with Kick FM, and, you know, through the 80s, I was working for Kick FM covering the Calgary Stampeders, and I think if you have been in this city during the 80s, you probably remember, you know, 1986, the, the franchise on the verge of folding, the organization started the SOS campaign. Campaign, save our stamps. You know, it was very successful. I think we all remember, you know, the, the pictures of Richie Hall, you know, in tears thinking this team was yeah. going to fold. And I, I thought at the time covering the team, I, I thought this team had no future as well. And it's interesting because that coincided with an 85 team that was really quite bad on the field. They only won three times. They lost 13 times. So I think that team basically goes into the mix as one of the worst teams ever. Now, here's the deal. I, I got fired from my old radio job at Bat back in 2000. So I was out of the business for about three seasons, and that coincided with that 03 season. Oh, man. I, I just got back into it in, in 04, and I missed the whole F Troop scenario with, uh, you know, Fateri and Federick. But, boy, I was still obviously living in Calgary. I saw what was going on, and I just heard some of the stories with that gong show with the organ. I, I just couldn't imagine. I tell you, I got here in, uh, in 1990, just as the team was starting to come out out of that whole Save Our Stamps era. And then things stabilized with the arrival of Wally Buono. Mm-hmm. And it was real, real good. The Sig Gucci bought the team as it went into sort of private uh, ownership. Well, for the first real time after Larry Reckman, when you had an owner who was paying the bills. But it was it was always too much for Sig. He was always the reluctant owner. And you know, he was looking to get out of it. And unfortunately, the guy he found to buy the team was uh, Michael Federick, uh, who got nicknamed the Corrugated Box King of Orange County uh, in the cardboard business big man in the cardboard business. Unfortunately, he also had a son who played quarterback. And the more we found out about this guy after we bought the team, the more it just seemed that he had bought the team as a stage for his kid to play. Well, and, and that's why Wally Buono got run out of town, yeah. because Wally Buono wanted no part of it, right? Wally Buono wanted no part of it. Uh, they brought in Jim Barker for one season, and the, the Matt Dunnigan mess in 04. It was a crazy time to be anywhere around this organization. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fred Fateri, who is best known for his natty suits and shoes, and uh, arguing with just about anyone, was brought in. I can only imagine what it was like to be a player. And to find out what it was like to be part of that team, I caught up with offensive line legend. And Jamie Crysdale. So, Jamie, uh, we're looking back to, well, the 2003 and 2004 years with the Stampeders. Maybe not uh, the fondest memories for uh, for football fans uh, in terms of results, but just wondering what it was like uh, to, to live that era. I mean, it was it, it was a crazy time with Federick taking over the team and, you know, having his, his son as a quarterback. You know, when you went into 2003, what were your feelings about, uh, about what that season was going to be all about? 
Well, obviously, when you go into the season, you never really know what to expect. Um, you know, but we've been so spoiled with, uh, you know, having Wally Bono as our coach for so long. And, you know, you always go into every season with optimism and, you know, hoping that everything is going to work out the way you want it to and you're going to make a run for the cup. But, you know, it's so hard to know. And obviously, with all the background distractions that were there with the Federics and, I mean, to be honest with you, I, you know, a lot of the guys on the team felt for Kevin because he was in a really precarious position with his dad owning the team and, you know, you know, thinking that he was going to be slated as the starter. So, um, you know, it was, uh, you know, like I said, you don't really know going into the season, you're always optimistic, but yeah, it was just, uh, it was a tough time, like I said, because, you know, we'd all, oh, we'd been so good for so long with Wally, but, you know, as the head coach and it's just a lot of the unknown. When did you realize that it wasn't going to be, well, the way it had been? I mean, you know, certainly with uh, the way that the, the management structure worked, you know, having guys like uh, like Michael Federick and, and Fred Fateri, how was that to deal with as a player? Well, you could see it with the media attention and obviously reading things in the paper and, you know, with, uh, and not so much Michael Federick, but Fred Fateri really liked being in the media. And he liked, uh, you know, being in the paper and on the news and that kind of stuff. And, you know, I mean, for all of his uh, faults, I'm sure he was a good guy to a point, but there was just too much behind-the-scenes crap going on that, you know, as a player, it's just tough to deal with, right? So, uh, but you could see that things were, were tough. And, you know, I mean, Barker had no control over who was playing and what was going on. And it was pretty tough for sure because – you know, you're just kind of watching the team unravel, and you know, thing. It just you could just see the changes, and it just didn't seem to have the same structure that Wally had over the team. And you know, I'm not saying all the stuff that Wally did was great, but you could feel that the things were organized in order, and he had control of the team. And when he left, it just there just wasn't that same sense there. How was that as a, as a veteran, as one of the leaders of the team? You know, how hard did you guys have to work just to try to keep things uh, together? Oh, it's very tough. You know, I mean, because, you know, as a player, you can only control what you can do on the field, right? So, you know, as much as we tried to stay cohesive and, you know, and, and uh, as gelled as we could, there was just too much, too much um, background nonsense going on that, it just, you know, it, it makes it tough, that's for sure, right? So, you know, you do your best to try and manage what's going on, but there, when there's so many distractions and it just, you know, I mean, you see the losses happening and you really have no control over it, so it's just it's really tough to deal with. Right. Did it ever get so crazy that it was that it was funny, you found some stuff to laugh about, or was it just too hard to go through? Oh, it was a joke all the time. <laughs> well, you had you had no choice but to laugh at it. And, you know, I guess, and this is the wrong way to say it, but I think you have to go through those types of years to really appreciate what we had. You know, and obviously, you know, we didn't win as many great cups as we should have in the 90s or, um, you know, w- with as good a teams as we had. But, you know, we were still you know, killing guys during the regular season. Maybe we didn't finish it off during the, you know, during the playoffs, but, 
you know, it's um, you had you had to laugh. Like you just, you know, I mean, you can only take it as seriously as you can, and it made you appreciate the good times we had. But uh, it was a full comedy show, and I mean, I think that because we were so good for so long, you know, I mean, I'm not going to say it didn't bother us, but you know, you really you sat back and you watched, and you just kind of shook your head, and you were just like, maybe this is what other teams go through, where we've never had to go through that, right? Any uh, any one thing that really stands out when you're you're just you've just found yourself shaking your head and going, man, it can't get any any nuttier than this. Well, you know, and I mean, um, I think the worst part was when uh, Kevin Federick had a concussion and really shouldn't have been playing, and his dad was adamant that he kept playing, right? And that's when I was just like, like, you know, are you concerned about your son's well being, or is it just about? making sure he's on the field, right? So there was just things like that that just, you know, it really didn't make any sense. And that's why I'm saying, like, you know, you had you, you, you could do nothing more than just feel sorry for the kid because he was in a really precarious position. And, and that's the kind of stuff that, you know, you see in movies where the owner's son is the quarterback and goes through all the trials and, well, we got to live it. So that was the part that really made you, made you shake your head and, and, you know, I mean, obviously, Fred Pateri with his dress his dress attire on the sidelines, it just was like a really bad movie. <laughs> no doubt. And, and well, as you say, though, I mean, you, you guys did feel for Kevin. And did, did he carry himself, I mean, I, I guess, as well as you can expect in the locker room, you know, never played the my dad's the owner card. He, he, he knew what the story was and just didn't feel comfortable with it? Oh, completely. Yeah, no, he, uh, you know, he was very, I don't want to say... Um, I don't want to say he kept to himself, but yes, he was very careful about, you know, what he said. And you mean, you never got the sense that Kevin felt like, you know, he was expected to play and, you know, he was just out there just trying to earn a living like the rest of us. And, you know, and the only, the bad part was that his dad owned the team. Right. So yeah, Kevin was very unassuming, just, you know, just a really good guy. And then you finally managed to get through that season, and you're probably thinking it can't get any crazier. And then on to 2004 and, and the whole Matt Dunnigan situation there. What, uh, you know, how did you approach that season? You know, what did you think was going to happen? Well, you know, when Matt came in, I mean, I'll tell you what, I've never been around a guy who's more passionate about the game. That's for one sure. One, one, that's for sure, right? So, and when Matt came in, I was really optimistic because I thought, you know, it's a former player. You know, like, uh, I didn't really know him at all, but I knew about his playing career and was really optimistic that, you know, we were going to be able to turn things around and put things together. And, you know, I just think that, um, um, you know, and I mean, I want to say this right away. Matt had a hard time letting go of control. So, I mean, you know, you've got all these other assistant coaches there, guys with experience and everything else. And, maybe just wanted to be wanted to to you know beat that guy more than he should have been just letting the assistant coaches do their job and delegate so you know i mean for all of Matt, you know Matt, and like i said i mean i've never been around a guy that was more passionate about the game and you know Matt's a great guy and i just think it was uh, the wrong place at the wrong time because of what had happened previously and you know he kind of came into a a bad situation so he was trying to pick up the pieces and you know, I mean, I don't even know if anybody could have done it, but, you know, he tried his hardest. And, I mean, he's a player's coach for sure, right? And he's a great guy to be around. And, you know, he's full of enthusiasm. And you couldn't ask for a better, 
you know, like cheerleader and, you know, enthusiastic guy to be around. But, you know, he just, he, he, I don't think he had the right guys around him that were going to make him successful, right? So, um, you know, I, I felt for, for Matt and, I mean, I got to know him as well as I could. And, you know, he leaned on me a lot as a veteran and, and that kind of thing. But like I said before, I mean, you can only control what you can control, right? Which is yourself and, and what you're doing and try and, you know, keep guys uh, motivated and working hard and trying to achieve the goal you want to achieve. But, um, yeah, it was just, it was tough because of, of what was what he was left with before. Was there even, you know, even as bad as it got, I mean, you only won four games that year, but was there maybe a sense that things, that there was a chance for things to turn around? Because I look at that roster in 04 and I see that's, you know, when Joffrey Reynolds first showed up and, you know, Nick Lewis showed up. There was, there was some talent on that team. Oh, always, right? So, you know, I mean, it's, I guess, you know, and I don't want to say this kind of in a corny way, but it's, it's too easy to kind of give up and think, oh, uh, well, the season's over. So, you know, we knew we had a good football team. It was just putting it together at the same time. And, um, you know, there was always the sense that we could turn things around at any time. And I think going through, we didn't know one when we won, which was the fact that, you know, we had a losing record going into the playoffs, but, you know, put together a run at the end of the season. And, at, you know, it's always just about getting to the playoffs, right? So, whether it's being in third place or being in fourth place with a crossover, you're never really out of it ever, which is the awesome part about the CFL. So you've always got some life. So from that perspective, yeah, we were always striving to, to, you know, continue to hopefully change, turn things around. And, you know, and that's the thing. And when, and with Matt there, I mean, you always thought that that could happen. And I mean, you know, you even look at our defense because Joe was still around Yep. And, we still had lots of great players, right? So I just think that, um, you know, it's tough because, again, there's a lot of background stuff going on that you really, you know, and I, I think that's when Ted Heller took over the team. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, I believe. And, you know, he was another one that, you know, he just he wanted to have his fingers involved. And it's kind of like you're the owner of the team. Why? Right? That was That was another tough thing to have to deal with. And as happy as we all were when the Federick era came to an end because all of a sudden you had football people involved, eh, you still had uh, a little bit too much of a hands-on guy in Ted Hellard. And I, mm. I think uh, the problem with Ted was they had success right away when they came out, and, and everyone was so happy and so euphoric that there was something resembling football again that uh, Ted Hellard maybe made some mistakes along the way. But you know, let's remember, he was part of that ownership group that ran the F Troop side show out of town, mm. got things back on track. Also, uh, Jimmy Crysdale, he kind of defended that 0-4 team because when you look at it, you know, there were some good players on that team. You right. know, John Grace was part of that team. Uh, guys like Jamie on the offensive line. Uh, you know, Joey Bose was a pretty good defender back in those days. And then you had a couple of young guys coming up in 04 named Joffrey Reynolds and Nick Lewis. Well, you know, it's interesting because I guess we may as well get to the whole gist of our, our, our podcast here. What is the worst Stampeder team in franchise history? Is it the 03 team that lost 13 times under Jim Barker, only won five times? Or is it the 04 team that 
that lost 14 times. That's the most in franchise history. They only won four times. And and I was talking to Scott Coe, and I, I sort of agree with you after Scott Coe explained it to me. He said, hey, that, that, that 04 team was better than a lot of people thought. So it, it's tough for me to say that was the worst team in franchise history, but I'm still going with the 04 team. And you know why I'm going with the 04 team? Do tell. Because Matt Dunnigan was the coach, and he is the worst <laughs> coach in Calgary Stampeder history in my books because I, I like Jim Barker, and even though he had to deal with, you know, Fateri and, you know, Federick and all that kind of stuff, I think Jim Barker was a better coach than Matt Dunnigan. So on those merits alone, I'm going with the 04 team as the worst team in franchise history. I'm going to point out that you're wrong as usual because uh, the worst team is the 03 team. They might have won one more game, but, you know, that was the height of the whole uh, F Troop fiasco. Are you and saying Jim Matt Barker is a better saddled? coach? No, I'm saying that Jim Barker was saddled with a quarterback that he wanted no part of, and at least uh, Matt Dunnigan didn't have to deal with that. That's all the time we've got today on the Calgary Stampeder Podcast. Make sure you check out some of our previous episodes, and of course, a new one drops every Thursday. All your favorite locations, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and tune in, download it from our website as well. And if you like the podcast, take a moment to rate the show, leave a comment, and if you really like the podcast, tell a friend, tell several. I'm Dave Rowe. I'm Jock Wilson. Thanks so much for listening. We'll do it again next week. Maybe next week, we're going to talk about the the best team in Stampeder history. I think you won't be wrong there. 